Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to answer your mailbag questions. So for that, we bring in our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Believe it or not, Glenn's talking on air. What's up, Glenn? (laughs) How are we doing, man? I'm, uh, you know, trying to to wade my way through this, this, this world of Jets madness right now. I feel like you can't say anything on Twitter. Every, you say, hey, I think yeah. the Jets should have done this. Or, and everything's about Zach Wilson. Uh, Everyone's crazy, lost their minds. You can't bring up a topic without – it's almost like you have to start every sentence with Zach Wilson's the problem, and then you can proceed because people are out of their minds right now. Yeah, I believe the other day I was talking to a friend of mine about inflation, and he said, Zach Wilson, it's Zach Wilson, inflation, it's Zach Wilson. And I said, okay, man, you need to go outside and take a walk. And like you said, I think that's pretty much everybody on Jets Twitter right now, or Jets fans in general. Everything can't be about Zach Wilson. We all understand his limitations. We all understand the situation. But you've got Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle. And if you want to make the argument that you should try one of the two of them, fine. But let's not pretend that there aren't enormous fundamental issues with this Jets offense with or without Zach Wilson. Aaron Rodgers is probably good enough to cover up most of them, but Trevor Simeon, Tim Boyle, and Zach Wilson certainly aren't. So with that in mind, let's answer some questions, and we'll start with the first one, and this comes in from Calhoun Coach K. He asks, I'm a 48-year-old Jets fan. The team's offense has mostly stunk with the occasional mediocre exception. No offensive coordinator change, personnel changes, quarterback change has mattered much. Is hiring head coaches who are defensive coaches the biggest problem? Does the conservative approach from Robert Sala and his predecessors doom the Jets? 
I don't really think it's about defensive coaches or offensive coaches. This is something that everybody loves to throw out there. But take a look at what's going on in Houston right now. They hired D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud is killing it. It's about picking the right guy and having the right plan for him. You got to have the right staff for that, obviously. But you can have a defensive head coach and still have a really good quarterback. We've seen it before. You can have a defensive head coach and have a really good offense. It's just a matter of having the right personnel and the right staff to carry out the right plan. So when you look at what's been going on with the Jets, I think what it really comes down to is they haven't drafted the right guys and they haven't hired the right guys to develop the players that they do draft. If you look at, especially during the Joe Douglas era, it's hilarious. They've done a great job of drafting and cultivating that defense, developing the players. But on the offensive side of the ball, they've done just as bad of a job. Yeah, they got Garrett Wilson. Yeah, they got Brees Hall. But beyond that, it's been slim pickings. So really, I think the issue is the Jets have been hiring the wrong people to make the decisions, and they've been mostly picking and signing the wrong guys. And that's why the offense, for the most part, has not been great. Now, as you said, there have been years where they have been good. And the 80s are an example. When they had Ken O'Brien in that offense, they were generally very good Wesley Walker Altoon Mickey Schuler, but that goes back to what I'm saying those guys were all good players so if you get good players in here you'll have a good offense and I think that's really what they need to work on is hiring the right guys to make the right decisions to get the offensive players and I know that having Aaron Rodgers here would have made the offense significantly better but even with Aaron Rodgers this offense is subpar it's just that Rodgers is good enough to get by with a subpar offense as we've seen him do in Green Bay before yeah, I think the the point you make about coaches, I, I say, you know, every time, you know, as Jets fans, we know the coaching hiring cycle comes up every two to three years. And um, I always say, just just get a good coach. I offense, defense. I, look, the last two offensive coaches have been Rich Kotite and Adam Gase. Like, how did that work out, right? Like, but it, it, I mean, it is a little bit weird that, you know, they have always gone so heavily defensive. But yeah, get the right coach who get, puts the right people around him. You know, you look at the way Rex Ryan did things. Of course, you know, they had that great offensive line, but I always I almost felt like Rex was a little too hands off. You know, but I do like the idea if you're gonna hire a defensive coach, find the right offensive mind and say, look, this is your unit. Go like, you know, yeah, like chip in philosophically of what you would like it to look like, but let that guy run the show. And I think it comes down to the coordinators and the talent. And, you know, I I've, I said some time ago, Scott, you know, we always lament the fact that the Jets are always so bad at finding quarterbacks like the history the 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 number of picks you go down the past couple decades they're all so bad but to your point you know it hit me one day i was i was literally going through decades worth of draft picks reading off the names and i was just like they draft terrible everywhere like it's not like they've had great players of like oh they just need a quarterback other than now where you've got garrett wilson and Brees hall you know even you had curtis martin you had Vinny for a couple of years but They've just been bad at drafting everything for a very long time. I think Jordan Jenkins is the last guy they drafted. Um, and off the top of my head, at least as of a year or two ago, he was the last guy they drafted in like a decade that got a second contract. Like they, they don't draft well. And on the odd occasion they do draft well, guys end up leaving or getting traded or whatever it is. Um, so it's hire a good coach who puts together a staff that he trusts and find some quality players. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He asks, what does culture really mean when a team doesn't win in the end? We were told one win against the Rams meant everything to building a culture. How did that work out for the Jets? 
Now the Jets have Carl Lawson and Dalvin Cook, and they're upset even though they get paid handsomely. It doesn't make any sense. If the culture was good, everybody would be buying in, even the guys not playing. Also, why didn't Lawson get cut or traded if the Jets aren't playing him? So, yeah, obviously, we talked about this, Glenn. We said it at the time. All the people that were talking about you need wins to build the culture and you've got to get that win because the locker room needs to learn how to win. Come on, man. Most of those guys weren't even going to be here and you knew the head coach wasn't going to be here. That win meant nothing. In fact, it hurt them terribly. And everybody's going to come in here and be the but actually guy and say, well, actually, the Jets did beat Cleveland the next week, so it didn't matter couple of things about this and we've talked about this before Glenn Jets ownership should have done what the Jaguars did which was make sure that Gardner Minshew didn't play even when he was healthy so that they didn't risk losing Trevor Lawrence and in this case what that would have meant is benching Sam Darnold and playing the third string quarterback James Morgan under the auspices of we have to see what we've got in James Morgan or whatever excuse Mm -hmm. you want to give You make sure that you get Trevor Lawrence and wrap that up. But also with the Browns game, if they'd have lost the Rams game, you got to look up the Eisenberg uncertainty principle. You don't know that they would have beaten the Browns the following week if they'd have lost to the Rams. Maybe if they lose to the Rams, they're so dejected that they end up losing to the Browns. There's a million ways that could have gone. It's impossible to know. But ultimately, yes, we all said that win was going to do nothing. And what it really did was bring more misery because instead of getting Trevor Lawrence, the Jets were in a situation where now we have to argue about Zach Wilson 24 hours a day. And they had to go out and admit their mistake and get Aaron Rodgers, who got hurt. I once had somebody say to me, it all worked out in the end because the Jets got Aaron Rodgers. And I'm saying, listen, if you would rather have 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, has an Achilles tear that he's recovering from, than 21-year-old Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what to tell you If that's what your preference is, fine You'd rather have a year or two of Aaron Rodgers Than 15-20 years of Trevor Lawrence Okay, but yeah The culture only matters when the team wins Robert Sell has done a good job of holding the locker room together But we saw it last year There will be fractures And I expect if the offense doesn't start to play At least marginally better You're going to start to hear leaks From anonymous defensive players About how annoyed they are about what's going on As far as Lawson and Cook, I don't know what Cook's expecting. He came in here to be the insurance policy for Brees Hall. He hasn't produced a lick, and so he's lucky that he's collecting his $7 million. He should just be quiet right now. As far as Lawson goes, I get his frustration to an extent, and the Jets had numerous opportunities to trade him. By all accounts, there were some teams that were interested in him around the deadline. Maybe they could have flipped him for a late-round pick swap. They probably should have if they could have gotten one. I said they should have called the Raiders and tried to work something out for Hunter Renfro. We know they could have traded him a couple of months ago. It is what it is at this point. But yeah, ultimately, the culture only matters when the team is winning. And so if they don't get back on track, none of this rah-rah stuff is going to mean anything to anybody. Yeah, it's it's so funny. You know, I I honestly don't know where I come down on this because I've always been a guy who believes that, you know, you want to instill a strong culture. But then you hear about these teams winning with these crazy dysfunctional locker rooms where guys, you know, where, where there's all kinds of drama behind the scenes that you don't know about. And you don't care if you're a fan of that team because you just want the wins and teams manage to do it. You know, I don't want I don't want, you know, a locker room full of criminals and, and, and you know, guys with a bunch of convictions for violent crimes on their record. I don't want guys that don't care whether they win or lose. I, you know, you want... I want to root for for good players who are decent humans who win football games 
And the Jets obviously haven't been able to put that together despite years. And and every team talks about every team, especially when you're bad and you're rebuilding. We want to build a culture. We want to build a culture. I don't think one win late in a season where you know you're out of it is going to change the trajectory of the franchise. And you know you're going to win something 60 years from then, and someone's going to point back to that that meaningless win that you had in Week 15 several years ago. Uh, I just don't buy it. I think that you know. There's a line like you can't have a, uh, you know, a bunch of guys who just don't care about winning, but teams have shown time and again that you can have some some behind the scenes drama, and poor culture as we would call it, and still manage to win. And no one says anything when it happens then, but when your culture is bad and you lose, everyone says, "Oh, look, it's the culture." Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He asks, did the front office make a mistake letting Aaron Rodgers be so influential in recruiting? If he'd played, would he have made the guys that he brought in here that have been so bad better, or are they just duds? Well, I think what we've seen with Alan Lazard is that obviously he made Alan Lazard much better because Alan Lazard got a massive contract just based on what he was able to do with Aaron Rodgers. Listen, we've talked about this, Glenn. Dalvin Cook, Nathaniel Hackett, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Billy Turner, these are all guys that are here because of Aaron Rodgers, who also wanted to bring in Odell Beckham, who was going to cost a ton of money. And the reality is, that was the price of getting Aaron Rodgers. You knew that what was baked into the cake was you were going to have to get the guys that he wanted, because when you get a superstar quarterback like that, that's how it works, if we're being honest about it. Yes, it would be nice if the Jets would tell Aaron Rodgers, no, we're not signing Randall Cobb, or no, we're not giving Alan Lazard $11 million a year or whatever it is. But that's just not how this works. And they're going to continue to allow Aaron Rodgers to call a lot of these shots because, again, that's how it works when you have a superstar quarterback. The guy gets a lot of say over who you bring in specifically on the offensive side of the ball because you want to make sure that that guy is comfortable with who's here. And as we said, look at who is here. Dalvin Cook, $7 million. Guy can't even get off the bench, and he was brutal when he was playing. Alan Lazard, highest drop rate in the league. He's been a massive disappointment. Randall Cobb, second highest drop rate in the league. And he was so ineffective that by a lot of metrics, he was the worst wide receiver, least productive in 16 years. And this is not a slight on Randall Cobb, who was a hell of a receiver back in his prime, but he's not that guy anymore. Billy Turner, yeah, he's versatile and that's nice, but he's terrible at every position he plays. He's an absolute turnstile. You heard what Bart Scott said about him on the postgame. Everything bad that happened in this game is because Billy Turner is bad at football. Now, obviously, Bart was being glib about it, but Billy Turner is terrible. Nathaniel Hackett, we all know that he was hired because he's buddies with Aaron Rodgers, and the Jets were hoping that would help convince Rodgers to come to the Jets. Hackett's bad at his job. I'm sorry. He's really good with Zach Wilson in terms of patting him on the back and giving him inspirational hope and all that, and that's nice. But as far as play calling and running the offense, you could drive a truck through the holes in what he's been doing. It's been horrible. So that's just the reality of it. Yeah, it would be nice if the Jets would put their foot down with Rodgers, but they can't and they won't. And so we, as Jets fans, sort of have to live in the reality where Aaron Rodgers is going to get what he wants over the next couple of years. We just have to hope that he's still a good enough quarterback to overcome his deficiencies as a personnel guy. Yeah, Alan Lazard had some drops issues in Green Bay. I, I tweeted that out after he was signed, because, and I've said since then, I thought it was funny that 
every well not everybody but a lot of fans were celebrating his arrival because he was going to replace Corey Davis who had so many drops um Davis's drops to me were overblown he had more in year one with the Jets than any other year um and if you go back and look at a lot of those drops it's not like he was dropping gimmies like these are balls that were he's like twisting and contorting and trying to catch bad passes on some of them some were clean drops but I, I digress um Lazard, to me, is almost in a different category than the other guys because, yeah, he got here before Rodgers, but that was the Jets forecasting that they were going to get Aaron. But unlike the other guys, I feel like Lazard, if you look at his production prior to this year and you look at the Jets' needs, you could have justified that signing without Aaron Rodgers. Now, as we've said a million times over, Scott, they should have done more after that. Lazard shouldn't have been the last significant move at receiver. Mm -hmm. There should have been a DeAndre Hopkins or a draft pick in the first round. But that didn't happen. But to me, Lazard, you can look at and say you needed a receiver. You paid market value for a guy based on his production. Big dude might bring some some a presence in the red zone, that type of stuff. That could have stood on its own. You know that that signing had legs on its own. It's it's the Dalvin Cook. It's the 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 Randall Cobb who everyone knew was a dinosaur. It's Billy Turner who is just he's horrible. You know, and you and I talked about this. I'm pretty sure it was before the season even started. When we said, when you know, said that he's versatile, but he's bad. You know, I said to someone the other day, I said, you can put Thomas Morstead at both tackle spots and say he can play tackle, but he wouldn't be good. So it doesn't really matter if you can play every, you can play all 22 positions. If you're bad at all of them, who cares? And I, I don't know if the Turner move was more based on Hackett wanting him or Rodgers wanting him or just a combination of both of them vouching. But it really does seem like, and I would love to know, and this is the behind-the-scenes stuff that will never come out, right, Scott? Like, how much of this is is Woody, and it may be none. Woody may be completely hands-off. I'm not going conspiracy theory. I'm just saying the possibility does exist that he's like, hey, once Aaron gets here, we get him everything he wants. And it could have been Joe Douglas saying that. Like, someone may have decided that just because Aaron Rodgers was the guy, that anything he wanted, he got. And if he wanted Lazard and he wanted, well, sorry, not Lazard, like I said, he was here. But if he wanted Cobb and Cook and 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 Hunter, then get him these guys. And now you look at all these guys that were brought in to you know to join Aaron Rodgers, and they're they're like twenty five million against the cap, and none of them are good. Next question comes in from Butchie O'Dwyer, and this is an interesting one, Glenn, because it kind of builds on what was asked before about the history of hiring defensive guys. Who would you say was the best play caller for the Jets the past 40 years? Walton, Henning, Weiss might have been the best in 1998, but if I remember correctly, he had his play calling taken away. You do remember correctly, because in 1999, he did have his play calling taken away. I think the answer to this, and I don't think it's particularly close, is Joe Walton. I think he was a tremendous this offensive coordinator if you look at what the offense was doing under him when he was the offensive coordinator under Walt Michaels they were outstanding that was probably the most fun Jets offense they ever had I mean I guess you could go back to some of the Joe Namath years but that was a different time in the early 80s before Walton took over as the head coach those Jets offenses were so much fun to watch and they were pretty fun even when Walton was head coach but that was just because they had such great personnel Walton as the head coach was so bad and such a control freak that people forget that he was such a good offensive coordinator. Wesley Walker once had a great line with me when I asked him about Joe Walton. He said, as offensive coordinator, I would have run through a wall for that man. As head coach, I wanted to throw him through the same wall. 
And unfortunately, you see that with a lot of coaches. A lot of these guys are great coordinators. The players love them. But then when they become head coaches, they're a complete disaster. It happens more often than it doesn't. So I think Joe Walton, for sure, was the best play caller on offense the Jets have had. Beyond that, it's pretty slim pickings, if we're being honest about it. Yeah, honestly, Walton, that was like, he was, I don't, I started watching after, like, he was the head coach when I started watching the team. Um, so I don't even have any recollection of him being that the coordinator. And to be honest, I would have been about nine years old, so I probably wouldn't have a whole lot to say about <laughs> it. I mean, statistically, obviously, you look at the production they got out of those guys, um, then you you can make the case for them. But in terms of guys that I've seen, and I guess I only say it because, I, you know, I liked everything I, I heard about him when he was hired um, and he wasn't around long. But Chan Gailey, you know, the 31 touchdowns from Fitz and, you know, the way the way he used those receivers and maximized everything he could get out of Decker and Marshall. Um, you, you saw him play to Fitz's strengths. A lot of those, especially early on in games, a lot of quick hitters, quick slants, because that was one thing Fitzpatrick was good at was getting the ball out in a hurry. And you had two big receivers who could win over the middle. Um, and he would, you know, you would set that he would use that to set the set up deeper stuff later in the game. So I liked Gailey. I liked what, you know, I, I remember after he was hired, I spoke with Jay Fiedler who played for him in, in Miami, of course. And, uh, and Fiedler said, he, he said, I absolutely love playing for him. He's like, Chan is going to pull you, pull his quarterbacks aside. And they're going to, he, he's going to make a, a, a concerted effort to, to implement. And he's going to find out what they're most comfortable with. Look at what they're running most successfully in practice. And like the quarterbacks are going to have a big say in what gets put into the game plan every week. And that makes you feel like you're an even bigger part of it. So I like that about Gailey and, and you can't argue with the results that, you know, 31 TDs for Fitz and, uh, and he did a real nice job, but it's going back to what I said earlier about the players. The coordinators have mostly been bad. You know, it's it, I saw you you tweeted the other day, Scott, about uh, John Morton, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's a guy who probably the best guy they've had in the last 10, 12 years, and he got fired because he wouldn't do what the head coach told him. <laughs> like, yeah, you notice we're having success by me not doing what you're telling me, um, and they let the guy go. It's amazing because at the time, you didn't think of John Morton as anything special And it's not like he was a great offensive coordinator, but considering what he had to work with in that tank year and the results that he got, boy, would we not kill to have John Morton back or the level of production that he was able to get out of way worse personnel back then with Josh McCown at quarterback, by the way. It's amazing. It's one of those don't know what you got till it's gone sort of things. Glenn Naughton, editor, JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on and answering some mailbag questions with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to follow you on social media, check out what you're doing over at JetNation.com. What are they going to find at JetNation, and how can they follow you? Uh, give me a follow on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. I also have a separate account um, at Jets Picks, which is just, which I use primarily for, for college prospects and, and firing off tweets and highlights of, of players that I happen to be watching. I, I, I watch as much college as I can to get a look at these players. Um, so give me a follow there as well. JetNation.com, anything I'm putting up, we've got uh, you know a couple new guys on the staff. Nick Ferraro has been doing stuff for us, doing sort of a, a power rankings and a, and a weekly piece. He's doing a really nice job. Uh, Dylan Terriman chips in. You know him from Jet Nation Radio if you're listening in there. So check us out at JetNation.com. And uh, yeah, like I said, JN Radio underscore Glenn on X. 
Make sure you follow Glenn on Twitter and check out his work at JetNation.com. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel. So watch our videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeAJet. Visit our store, TeePublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, TeePublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com <laughs>